So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Well, 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 a different feeling as we come into the start of another episode of the Running Rugby podcast this week. A lot a lot more smiles I see on the screens of my co-host Toby and Leo in front of me, boys. It's a weird feeling, isn't it? It's weird to wake up and, and realise that the Wallabies won last night and not only did they win, uh, they beat the world champions, the world number ones, and it's all thanks to our man QC. Well, hang on. You said you you woke up. I I couldn't sleep. It took me an hour to get to something that I think is sleep. But to be honest, I'm still buzzing. So um, just like such a good feeling to win in like as a team and with Quaid's sort of thread throughout, like like how how good was that? You can't really, even if you don't like Quaid from way back when, like you you can't feel anything but pride in in the effort of the team and his, his performance. So it was just so, so good. Yeah, just a terrific redemption story, I think. And we've seen it with with um, Jock already, you know, coming back, developing as a man off the field, and I think coming to a place where he's comfortable with who he is. And Quaid's done the exact same thing. Um, even after the game, he was very balanced and almost unemotional about what had happened and, and taking it in his stride and just saying, look, it's a game of footy and... I'm glad we got the win, but there's more to come. And I like what I see. I think just such a calming influence on the team, decisive. Obviously, his goal kicking was excellent. Um, and that won us the game. Only scoring one try. And I think the Wallabies, you know, were outplayed for for parts of this game. It's it's clear that the Springboks do have a lot of improvement in them. But such a huge result overall. Like this is something we really need needed as Australian rugby fans coming off three straight losses, obviously to the all blacks. This is huge. Like going to next week, look, it's a, it's a completely new game. It's going to be such a challenge. There's such depth in that South, like South African team overall. But I think this gets us back on a path where morale is higher. There's that belief. um, And I think we can step it up to another level as well. I was worried listening to the old preamble and lead into this game because they'd put so much emphasis on the comeback of Quade Cooper, this guy that hasn't played test rugby in four years and what he's going to come back and bring. And he's sort of like being built up as a saviour. And I'm just like, this could go so horribly wrong where he just has a terrible sort of outlook after this game because he makes mistakes as you would expect from someone who hasn't played international rugby and then never gets another game for the Wallabies. But thankfully, it went the other way. Um, there's a lot of a lot of decisions in this game that were questionable both ways. There were a lot of yellow cards in this game, um, I think more than we're used to seeing in recent sort of games. But you're right, just the momentum that they can take. And it's redemption for Quaid. Again, it's just a massive bolster having someone like Karevi 
in this team. And so suddenly we've got this new 10-12 combination that seemed to put us on the front foot. And I think it just makes a big difference having uh, the balance of like senior experienced players in that back line tipped slightly towards like having a real veteran in there somewhere. Like obviously we've done that with Karevi. He's relatively a veteran compared to some of these guys. The other guys who've been playing in their positions consistently now are becoming that. But to put a guy with 70 tests under his belt in a pivotal position, uh, I think that just gives a lot of grounding to the guys around him. And and the combination, even though that they weren't really slick from on 10 and 10 to 12 and, and various other combinations, like they still delivered um, like good enough, a good enough connection that we got out of a lot of pressure situations, which was really important. And I don't know that Rennie had the faith in Noah to keep doing that, especially with the physicality of the box. Yeah, and just, you know, if, if Noah came out in this game and started and we lost and we lost badly, it's harder to recover from that. I think the All Blacks are one thing. Obviously, the Springboks are world champions technically, but I think it's clear that, the All Blacks is still the top team in the world at the moment. Um, Springboks almost, I think we match up better against a little bit. I think some of the talent we have in our back line, um, you know, kind of matches up, particularly when we play Karevi, I think it matches up well against them. And the counter, I just don't think in this game, at least they weren't as deadly. Um, so we, we could make a few more mistakes and we weren't punished with those tries that the All Blacks would bring. All these tries from the box came in tight from malls that were, you know, really hard to stop. But I think we we upped our physicality and that was huge. Um, but, yeah, I think unexpectedly we, we came out and played a more similar game plan to the box. I think that actually worked well for us. Yeah, I think that's true. I, I think it's fair to say as well, though, that we – did also reduce our basic errors and we improved our kick chase, which left us less exposed. And really the the sin that we carried in the in through this game was just some of the more discipline um, in, in the tackle contest. Like we know we've seen in the past Flower Fainga and Swinton tend to do this torpedo barreling cannonball-y stuff at people's legs and knees. Um, and the yellow cards that were given were, were warranted, I think, and we're probably, you know, if, if the ref thought it was more cynical than they could, or someone had actually been injured from it, that, that could have been a bigger problem for us. But those are the types of things which I like. I kind of expected from Swinton. That was always my knock on him. Is I didn't feel like he had a good enough discipline, enough control of his aggression. Um, but for Laufinga, that's a technique thing, and he does it a lot, and he really needs to stop. And to be honest, BPA does it too. So we can't afford to have a hooker it's a weird thing that hookers do, apparently. Like Tatafu now used to do it. Yeah, that's Tolu true. Tolu Latu used to do it. I don't understand why is it a thing in like little little hooker camp they go on, on their summer holidays and they're like, this is what you do. You dive at people's ankles. I, so- I think it comes down to laziness and he was fatigued. He was tired, obviously. And instead of really having the positioning to get his arms there and, and get someone chop them down low, you just kind of get in the way. And they do yeah. this when they're defending rucks on their line as well, when people are pick and driving and they just kind of get in the way and fall in the way. 
Mm. Um, so I think it's bad habits picked up from doing that and just applying it more to general play, which, you know, could cause some pretty serious injuries if they connect squarely. So I think he deserved to be punished. He just seems to be aware of that. Like he had a good game, I think, for the most part. Um, yep. You know, Lineouts throwing much improved, take that out of it, you think? Yeah. I just think he was pretty consistent, you know, across the park and, and that just let him down in the end. Hopefully he's not punished and removed from the squad, the 23, because I think we do need him there, um, particularly if BPA is not going to be in that 23. Um, but yeah, we, it's moments like that that could have lost us the game quite easily. Yeah. And I mean, I think I texted you boys during the game because you did it about three times prior to getting a yellow card for it. For it. And I was just texting you guys like, get him off, get him off the field now. Like you need to get him off. And then five minutes later, he ends up doing the same thing again in our own 22 and gets a yellow card resulting in a Springboks try. Yeah, the commentators were onto it too. At the same time, you were messaging us and we were both picking up on it like, the commentators saying, oh, there's another one, oh, there's another one. And you think, wow, we just got through that little spell and, and they didn't pick it up. But and not knowing what the officials are saying to each other between plays, like is the is the TMO kind of just dialing into the rest saying, hey, just keep an eye on this. There's been a few low ones of these. It's getting a bit questionable. Or like are they just becoming more aware of it because they're seeing it and they're thinking, okay, I'm going to let that one slide, but the next one I'm going to penalise. Like everyone was aware of it and if it's a sign of fatigue, then the coach needs to go, all right, time to get him off because it's too risky. Like it can turn a game on its head, conceding a yellow card on your line, potentially a penalty try, who knows. So out of this Wallabies team, you've said Falau you'd like to see back in the 23. Um, who keeps their spot now or who, who deserves to be dropped? I think we all agree that the forward pack as a whole stood up immensely well against a very physical South African pack and really did a lot to stop momentum in there. Anyone in particular in the forwards that you were not as enthused about seeing starting? I'm still not super excited about Swinton, um, but I guess the things he did well, he was very good at number two in the line out. Like he took a lot of, good clean ball that that's part of the combination with flower finger like good throwing and good good receiving good lifting all that but he did deliver that well he put some big hits on he he was ch- chasing hard um off the kickoff and things so not for lack of effort um the discipline for me is a problem and and i just don't think he gets much penetration on his on his runs like he he just really he seems to go down too easily and between him and at times, um, I think Matt Phillip, maybe one, maybe Pete Sam or someone, they, they probably fight a bit too hard for like an extra half meter. They end up extending their body with the ball toward the opposition, and then they can't really recover and get it back for us to play quickly. And that's where we tend to get a couple of bodies on, from the opposition lying around, and it just kind of traps the ball, and we we concede turnovers. So that's that's some things he needs to work on. Um, I would think I would take Harry Wilson over him um, for this next match if he's fit. Um, but look, I mean, he's not far off the pace in, in that sense. Yeah, I'd be reluctant to start. So, I mean, though, just given the size of the man, I think late in the game he can offer a lot with his extra pace and mobility around the field. Um, it probably comes down to our game plan for next week. And if we go with the same sort of game plan, 
um, focused on work rate, physicality, just those forwards doing the simple things well. We're not probably as worried about our ball carriers. Angus Bell obviously was there at loose head. I'm still a little bit skeptical about his scrummaging ability. So I'd probably move him back to the bench and start slips and then kind of utilize Bell's mobility late in the game, similar to what you do with Taniella and Pete Samu. I'm still worried about not going in with a, a proper reserve second rower. I think Rob Leota, you know, in, in what he did when he came on, he was relatively impressive and he might get another opportunity. But if we lose Rodder or Matt Phillip early, um, I think we're going to be in trouble. So all in all, I would probably retain the eight we have, maybe tinker with the bench and bring in um, Lucan Salakai Loto or someone like that. But I'd be bringing slips in for Bell, just doing that rotation. Taniella doesn't look back to his best at all. There was a, a few a few signs of life there in this game, but I think maybe given the work rate, we probably have to stick with Alalatar if we want to just grind away at these spring box. And we heard from James O'Connor prior to the game saying that he would be available for selection in this upcoming week. Um, does he make it into your team, into your bench? Uh, is there any way that you're pivoting away from Quaid after that performance? Well, it's so hard to, right? Because now you've got like this team dynamic that's built on this win, like the, your, your immediate momentum came from such an immense performance from Quaid and does it feel fair to take him out when he rewarded you and your selection with that performance? So um, if if O'Connor's not, like, how match fit is he? How is he ready to play 80 minutes? Like, I would argue that maybe, like, it's it maybe gives you an easy excuse if you don't win, but if you retain Quaid and you put Jock on the bench and you get rid of old mate who kicks away possession at the death when you need to win, um, that'd be Reese Hodge. Like, why why not just substitute those two? Because Hodge was there as the cover 10. Rennie talked pre-game about his decision-making with Quaid and, you know, thought Reese was an option but decided against that. Like, he was makeshift last year. He was a placeholder and and not much more. Um, this year, Rennie's gone, no, look, I'll take the tried and true t- pure 10. Why can't you put O'Connor in as the reserve? Gives you a lot of utility off the bench. And if things aren't going right with Quaid, you can just drop him straight into 10 and you you can play a bit of catch up, but at least you've got that option. I I think that's probably the, the conservative way to go. Um, unless he's training the house down and everyone's just rearing to get him back and Quaid finds a way to step aside, you know, in a, in a way that everyone kind of appreciates. Yeah, I think the narrative and the way that Quaid draws interest to the game, this performance was pretty flawless, really. Um, kicking eight from eight is so big. Hodgie has to go. Like, I know that he's useful late in games if we have to kick one from beyond 50, but I don't think that performance and even the performances over the last couple of games really justify him being there on the bench. Jock should come back in, I think, build up his time slowly. And maybe by the time we get to the Pumas, maybe you you can kind of give him a game and give Quaid a game. But honestly, I think it's Quaid's jersey to lose now, um, given that performance. And who knows, if he continues to play well and we continue to win games, you could see him offered a contract 
in Australia for the next couple of years because that World Cup 2023 door is still open for him. They just want to see how he does in the next, you know, six games mm. that are left in the year. He'll probably go on the European tour. And the world's his oyster after that if he continues to play well. It means that we have James O'Connell, we have Quade Cooper, and then we also have Noah there who's going to be learning, you know, a lot under those two. And Noah's the future. But the next two years are about winning and building into that World Cup. I think Quade's shown more than enough that he's fit and still sharp as ever. Um, I think he'll just get better. I think he deserves these opportunities. Rennie did say that he'd like to see um, Quaid back in Super Rugby over the next year or two. So he, he's Western pushing, Force. He's pushing hard to get that man uh, contract somewhere as well. Um, anyone else in the back line you you change? Obviously, we're massive fans of Samu at twelve. Uh, I think Icky Tao. We're seeing some sort of maturation at that thirteen jersey, maybe. Yeah, I think he's finding ways to inject himself in in beneficial ways that that complement other players. So they talked in the commentary again um, about his kicking left boot. You can you can split him out that side. You've got plenty of right boots. Um, that gives you that versatility. And, and he had a great clearance kick um, there in the second half. Like that is something that's coming out now, where he, where he wasn't really featured in that way. Um, and he's developing a combination with Samu Karebi. Like my only knock on him now is I think his work at the ruck as a 13, he needs to be able to put his head down and really secure a ball, whether it's the man inside he's supporting or if he's delivered it wide and he's the first man to the contact, to the ruck. Um, he needs to be more um, more focused on just securing the ball. He's, he's gone in for some pretty average clean outs, to be honest, and, and he did get pinged for flopping on the ball this game which we talked to before it happens pretty regularly and just was the ref this time was um pedantic about it but it, it's still a symptom of of just you know a lack of attention to detail at the rocky thinking the ball's there there's players coming for the ball I, i'm better off doing what i can to secure the ball be over the ball than potentially go and just take the first guy coming over the ruck and get flipped off to the side which is kind of what's happened um, so I would leave him be, and overall, I guess as a as a backline, like they didn't they didn't do the thing that we used to see where they'd hide Quaid out on the wing or they'd hide him at fullback for the entire game. He was there defending in the line where he needed to be most of the time, unless he was hanging deep with Banks, as James O'Connor would, as Noah would. So there's nothing out of the ordinary there, and I I've always hated that approach because it feels like you you're putting extra effort into the guy's legs, running around, rearranging themselves in order to hide a guy who can't cope in the defensive line. If Quaid's ready to stand there and, and do the tackling, I'm, I'm happy with everyone as they are. Everyone else had a good game. Callaway was good again. Marika was good again. Banks was a good supporting role. He, he's not a, a feature player yet. I think we're still figuring out if he's going to be or if he's just a support player. But he was, yeah, Banksy was pretty solid under the high ball and that's kind of what you need against the box. So I think... Again, he's he's kind of stepped up in areas we need him to, and I think he'll continue to hang on to that 15 jersey, particularly with Hodgie, you know, probably coming out of favour. Iki Tao, I agree. I think he did enough. Some big hits in there, some decent carries, and, yeah, there's still things to get, you know, he needs to improve in his game. But if it comes down to it, it's really only one spot there in the 23 for either 
him or Hunter Paisami. I think bringing back Hunter would be unfair to Ikitao, although I don't think Hunter would let you down either if he were to come straight back into that 13 jersey. Mm. It's it's just with the combinations that, like Leo said, that, you know, Karevi and Ikitao, who is probably a long-term option for us there at 13 as well. Um, I think playing Hunter and him in the centres may be slightly undersized, and we've seen that with the way that Karevi, you know, carries the ball and breaks the line. And he's a guy you can always rely on to, to get you out of trouble. So I like the the makeup of the back line right now. Honestly, there's not much you, you would change about this 23. They did the job against the world champions. I think for the most part, these guys deserve a, a second opportunity. And Felici Kaitu finally got his chance off the bench. And I don't think he disappointed he either. He was he was very serviceable there. So I wouldn't I wouldn't change too much there at all. Um on the Springbok side, we've already mentioned a few players not having their best game. Pollard, obviously, with his kicking. Um, Villanso off his bench, missing that final kick, really made a meal of that one. Um, Willie LaRue as well, Lucanio Am dropping a ball over the line. Um, is this a case that you just put this down to sort of first game back in Australia, post-quarantine, um, just not getting things right, having to shake the rust off? Or do you think there's any need for change within this um, Springboks team as well? No, I don't think they need to change too much. I think this was a combination of factors. Australia's just been beaten pretty comprehensively in three games, the All Blacks. So you come into that probably feeling more at ease if you're a Springboks player. Um, You're probably not as concerned with the Wallabies as you should have been. They've had two pretty decent victories against the Pumas, had an extra week off also quarantine factoring in playing in Queensland where it's probably conditions they're less used to. And so I just think we got them on the right night, um, but they'll be far better and far more prepared for next week. So I expect them to bounce back really strongly and and try and take some momentum into their two really important games against the All Blacks. Um, I don't think they would have anticipated at all losing this game. Mm -hmm. And now it's, it's a case of, you know, how is this still you know, the 2019 caliber team um, from two years ago, is this the the team obviously that was talented enough and smart enough to beat the Lions? But are they quite at the peak of their powers? I would argue they're not, but I think they're probably good enough to come back out and and beat us in the second game. Yeah, this is for them. It's, it's essentially do or die. Like they've got to, they've got to win this game to have three out of four wins to know they've got to upset the All Blacks essentially twice to to take the rugby championship. So it just doesn't happen unless uh, they they win this game. And and you're right, they've, they've got a reputation that they've been sort of proudly standing behind, even with a lack of matches, um, saying, you know, we're still the world champions, we're still that quality team. There's a lot of them still in this team. Um, so by no means is it a is it a different squad and that we, we would expect to be lesser or, or at least just you know needing to prove themselves like they're now on the path to proving their you know that that, that they've still got this um in- intelligence to their game and that they can fight back so is this the game they needed to lose to to get the reset and and come back strong as the wallabies that's that's i guess the narrative that they'll be pushing that they need to now break down the wallabies who are um vulnerable at times for sure and and not just get frustrated and and 
um, I suppose, disengaged and, and lose those combinations that make them such a strong unit? I think there is definitely an element of they have sort of withdrawn from their all-out attacking game that they used to be able to switch on at times during that 2019 World Cup campaign and they're much more conservative all over in their play and it did seem like they got a little bit found out after playing a very lacklustre Lions team um, as well as a Pumas team which didn't offer too much in terms of expansive play um, to an Australian team that has been getting hammered by the All Blacks, but also trying to replicate a lot of that play and really looking to spread the ball when they can and not sort of slowing down too much. And I think you saw it on the faces of a few of the Springbok players towards the end of the first half, at least, where they were blowing harder than I think they've they've had to um, work over the last sort of month or two since returning to international rugby. You do, they do obviously have a week before they come up against the All Blacks. Um, the All Blacks didn't really take a backward step this weekend. Um, prior to this game, they made their mark. Obviously, losing a game versus Argentina didn't sit well with them. They came back hard the second game last year and they didn't really make any changes to that game plan this year. 39 0 um, New Zealand take it over Argentina and it doesn't doesn't bode well for a second round up there at Suncorp this Saturday night. Yeah, no, I think, look, the All Blacks are flying at the moment. They have the cattle to get this done. I mean, Luke Jacobson comes in, has a great performance. Um, they've got a lot of flexibility across the team. Bowden Barrett looked a lot more impressive, I think, in this game. And he's very sharp still. So they, they've just got so many options at their disposal. I think this is a bit of a foregone conclusion, really, this second game against the Pumas and everyone will be looking, um, you know, towards the, the box game. But interesting to see what lineup they they put out because Richie Moanga, does he come back in to front up against the Springboks or, you know, have they changed their plan for those final two, two games? It'll be interesting to see who's kind of favoured against this Pumas team or are they going to be holding some people back um, to really fire in two weeks' time? If you were Ian Foster, because Richie's still in quarantine before this next game, so not back for the South African games, what is your what would be the decision-making you're making? Obviously, you want to have a team with momentum going up against the Springboks. You want to win the rugby championship. Would you be saying, okay, we're playing, we're shifted to Barrett, he's on form, we're going to keep going, and you'd start him against um, in the next two games? Or are you that impressed or that sort of happy with how Mawanga can come in and swing a game that you'd back him straight out of quarantine against the Springboks team? I guess, I guess I'd back him. Um, I think Bowden's been good, but I still think there's a bit of a tier difference between him and Richie. Like Barrett has, again, done everything right. Um, He has probably sparked a try um, just out of his own, you know, when you say, oh, someone's just brilliant and they've just come up with something out of nowhere, like some of these little kicks through with support runs of they broke us open the week before and they, they did break the Argentinians open once too. But, I mean, I've been noticing more of Severis and even George Bridge on the weekend and, 
um, you know, Havili stepping up. So I, I don't know that Bowden's sort of looking like the tier one guy. So it depends on what you want. Like, are you, are you trying to develop Bowden to be the 10? Are you trying to develop him to be the next best thing to Richie? So as good as you can get him, but you're really you're going to pick Richie because you think he's just better at the moment? Or have you seen enough of Bowden and you go, okay, well, you can have a break because I want to make sure you're fresh for the spring box. I'll put McKenzie in at 10. We can make sure our third string 10 is actually firing as well. Like there's a number of things they could do. I know they've got an extra week off, but even so, like you might not want to play Bowden through this second match because the Argentinians are pretty physical and they know how to break down the All Blacks. I think they're targeting the 10-12, um, the, the contact they're putting on um Bowden and and David Veely like they're that's that's the pressure point you can focus on. Um, so you don't really want Bowden to be too knocked around either. And in the game, you should be able to win. I would think if you had Bowden on the bench and Richie, sorry, and um and Damian McKenzie starting, I think you'd be okay as well. So I wonder if if they've seen enough and and now they're in a bit of a balance of um, protect and prevent any major injuries to make sure that they, you know, they can use Richie straight out of the, straight out of the um, quarantine setup and, and keep Bowden in reserve or at least keep a healthy competition between McKenzie and Bowden. Mm. I, I see what you're saying. I think the biggest problem with that is what happened last year when the Pumas kind of pulled a game out of nowhere against the All Blacks. I think they're probably still, they've got that in the back of their minds. Though I would expect to see some of their key players rested in, in this game, if possible. So it's difficult. Um, I don't think they, they're, they're that same. Like they're not as competitive this year. They're probably not going to so surprise either. the All Blacks with a win after what was it, a thirty-nine to nil loss or something? Pro- probably not. And that's the thing. I think Damian McKenzie, although we don't consider him to be, you know, tend to be his best position. I think he can come in and, and do the job against a team like this. You're right. You don't want Richie coming out of quarantine quite rusty. Bowden had a week off, maybe a little bit rusty too. I think Bowden just sits on the bench. You get into trouble. You bring him on. Um, start, maybe start with Damian McKenzie, who hasn't been getting as much game time lately as he as he'd probably like. So I think it would do him no harm to get that confidence at ten. Maybe start someone like Weber. Um, so yeah, I think the Pumas. They're not as dangerous last year. That's that's true. Um, I think they'd be wary, but again, this this All Blacks team is just has enough talent um, across their squad. I think to rest key guys in this game, or even just have them on the bench and limit their their match time, and I think they'll still get a pretty solid win. So this Saturday, once again, double header. This time round the other way with the Wallabies Springboks kicking everything off, followed by the Pumas and the All Blacks. Wallabies Springboks, guys. Is anyone game to take the Wallabies again? Are we just predicting that the Springboks will come back with a, a vengeance here? I think it'll be a much tougher game, but I'll, I'll still tip the Wallabies. We're, we're playing at Suncorp. We love Suncorp. Coming back from injury, like Jock inserted into this team ahead of goovers like Hodge, who almost blew it on the weekend. Like, absolutely. Like, we can be a stronger side. We'll be we'll be upbeat and positive for a win, and we have the opportunity to put in another, you know, 
hard early shift and keep the Springboks um, kind of in in this um, self-destruct mode. If if they can't get an upper hand, um, it actually be interesting to know who's refing. But if they can't get an upper hand in their set pieces outside the mall, um, they'd be used to you know strong arming people in the lineout, strong arming people in the mall in the in the scrums. They didn't get to do that against us consistently. Um, the refing really evened that up. So we we put them on the back foot again and there's no reason why this game can't play out in a very similar fashion hopefully with us in the lead and, and just holding it i mean i'd absolutely love to see us you know pull out another performance like that and pe- perhaps something with a bit more polish a few more tries in there but i'm apprehensive to call another australian victory i think we got you know, the bounce of the ball in some situations in this game, although we gave away two very stupid yellow cards, um, you know, if Quaid doesn't kick that well, we don't win the game. Um, so, I'm, yeah, I don't think I can I can predict us to win this second one. I think South Africa still have the class to come back and probably overwhelm us in the second game. But I think it would only be if they if they do get up the box, I'd only say they're going to win it by seven to 10 points or something. I don't think it's going to be an absolute blowout because I just don't think that's the way they play um, unless they really revert back to that full-on counter-attack, high-potency rugby that they were showing against England, you know, and before that in the World Cup. A lot of the same cattle, but like I said, I don't think they're still at the peak of their powers, but I think they'll be strong enough to um, to bounce back and, and get a victory against Australia and lead in well to the All Blacks games. So the referee will be Matthew Carley, who was the TMO in this um, last game, another Englishman who we probably haven't seen a lot about. I think we were all um, a bit worried about Luke Pearce early on in that game, but sort of came around to the fact that he was, while he was strict on quite a few things um, and made some decisions that we thought were potentially errors, he was um, consistent um, both ways on the ball as well. So... Um, for me, I didn't mind him at all. So Matthew Carley for that game. And then Argentina, New Zealand gets Yako Piper, a uh, name we haven't heard in a little while, um, coming back into the fray for um, this rugby championship um, round three matchup. Wow, Yako Piper. I forgot, I forgot he was still around. Honestly, this is what happens when Super Rugby doesn't involve any of the South African teams. You just don't see the guy. Um, I assume we'll probably end up with him for one of our Argentinian games too. Eventually, I guess. No, that's that suits me. Like the the way the Englishman ref this game, we've just got to remember what were his focal points. Like what were the things that we're not used to needing to be as precise, as disciplined about. Because if the TMO and and this guy are, um, you know, peas in a pod, then we 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 can't afford to be diving into you know, knees in tackles and laying on the ball, sealing it off at the ruck. We need to be smarter. And it may even be the early momentum goes to the team who um, reacts to that um, that officiating performance best and prepares for this game. Because if you come in making the same mistakes in the other teams, not where it was kind of each team got a share yesterday, it could be very different if one team takes that out of their game and just rolls the momentum down the field. I wonder whether because of these, you know, these Northern Hemisphere refs where they haven't really been as familiar with the red card 20-minute rule, I think perhaps they're less willing just 
you know, subconsciously almost to give out a red card in a game unless it's a very, very serious offence. So I think they lean almost towards giving a yellow as much as possible and avoiding the red card. Um, I agree. I think the refereeing on the weekend, although frustrating at times in terms of being a little bit technical around the ruck area, I think he was pretty balanced in the way that he had judged these, these yellow cards, and I agree with the calls. And I think it's a good thing that we're not so willing to hand out red cards, even though there's that 20-minute saving rule in there. I think most of these offences, a lot of the time, um, you know, a yellow is is sufficient. Lockie Swinton, for example, like if if Etzebeth hadn't got so low, um, I don't know, like would it have been a different look? It's almost like they came together so low to the ground and got him in the side, and so that's just yellow. We've seen a lot of calls from Super Rugby go straight to red, and I'd like to see that avoided in international rugby as much as possible. So, yeah, yellow card, I think 10 minutes is kind of sufficient for most of the time, unless there's really that intent there to to be hurting someone or punching on or something stupid like that. Um, so, yeah, English referees, not always a fan, but I think at the moment they like to talk. They like to talk things through thoroughly, but... Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what this TMO brings up, um, whether he goes for a similar kind of point of view on the rock area. Yeah, and I'm sure that it may well be that we get some similar decisions. Obviously, he was involved quite often um, on the weekend as well. And then um, Jaco Piper, always entertaining to watch a referee game that you're, you don't have any um, sort of involvement in. So it will be interesting to see what the Pumas can can bring up against the All Blacks here. Um, do you think they score a point? They haven't scored a point in the last two games against the All Blacks now. Yeah. I think they get a try. They get a try? Particularly if, particularly if it's not a full-strength All Blacks team, I think the Pumas can get a few points on the board for morale. But it does mean that when we go into face them, like two wins is the only option, I think, really. None of this, you know, drawing games, losing the odd game in a weird location like in Townsville. Like we need to be punishing a team that's not up to standard if that's the case. So I think we'll be, from an Australian point of view at least, we'll be watching pretty closely to see what the Pumas can, um, you know, put there, put out there on the field. Well, we're pretty much going to in what you predicted, Toby. You wanted to see 50% win rate. Uh, for the year that means that we have to take at least two of the uh, next two next three games sorry Um, so if it's not South Africa it's got to be Argentina I think you know end of year tour is a whole another kettle of fish Um, sometimes you think we're going to go into those and absolutely smash it and we drop the easy game so be great to see us kind of front up against the northern hemisphere opposition again after not touring last year um you know but we've got to get through this rugby championship and a couple more wins for Rennie I'm sure he'll be feeling a lot better about things because there would have been a fair amount of pressure on him um you know I think rugby Australia are probably backing him for the long term but you, you never know when the media is putting pressure on these corporations can do funny things so I hope that goes away and and Rennie is kind of backed until the next world cup yeah, it was very much a tipping point this week. Was it genius or was it desperation? And look, what he saw in training and what he saw around the, the squad 
um, obviously was was something real. It wasn't just a, a mirage and, and Quaid's done him, done him a good service. So uh, I guess they'll have each other's backs now. We yeah. Try and, try and look after each other and, and repay the faith. So I think that's, you know, a great position to be in now. You know, the, the All Black stuff's behind us. We've come off that that Tier 1 competition. We've, we've come down to the next level and and maybe we're better prepared. Maybe we can do it twice and it gets easier after that with Argentina, you would hope. That's it. All about momentum in these and that mentality and belief that maybe we can win. And don't forget, I mean, it's all home for us, right? We're playing in our backyard. And Queensland. So that adds something to the Wallabies game every time. And and I think the one positive thing, if you can take anything out of some of these losses the last, you know, few games, it's it's been that we're fight we fight to the end and we can close games out. Like against France, we did a similar thing. When there's pressure, when the scores are, are tight, we do have the ability to lift late in the second half and close out games. And that's something that wasn't really uh, you know, a feature that the Wallabies were known for in the last five years or so we'd often get ahead and then fall apart. So I'd like to see us start well, you know, against South Africa again and get an early try, get a couple of early tries if possible, something we weren't really able to do against the All Blacks. And then we can chip away with those kicks and and probably, you know, stay on top and keep the scores um, not as narrow as last time. Absolutely build up a bit of a lead and hold on to it there and really punish these Springboks and deprive them of another win against Australia on home soil for another year. That's pretty much all from us, boys. Obviously, a lovely feeling um, seeing that Wallabies victory, those men celebrating in gold. Uh, We'll be hoping we see that on Saturday night at Suncorp Stadium. Make sure you're tuning in, or if you're in Brisbane, one of those lucky few um try and get out there if there are still any tickets left remember i uh, don't think you'd ever see uh four of the top eight teams in the world um with playing each other within the space of four hours um on a night any other time in history so take the opportunity if you are there otherwise make sure you are following us on instagram at running rugby podcast or on twitter at running rugby pod and wherever you get your podcast, like and subscribe. We'll be watching this weekend. We hope you are too. And we'll be back to bring you all the news next week. Until then, though, boys, just got to keep on running. Run. <laughs>